Today's sponsor is Audible. With an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more, get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial at www.audible.com slash baldmove. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 7, Episode 10, titled New Best Friends. Uh, what did you think of this episode, Aaron? Uh, this is another... It, it's, it was a bizarre episode. Uh, I was entertained, but mostly because I had one of my best friends beside me, and we were just ripping it the whole time. Yeah? Uh, yeah. <laughs> And what's so funny is how kind of universal the episode was received. Like, I got on the Walking Dead forum or um, subreddit, and people, like, like the top-rated comments were all like, did the writers just want to write a Star Trek episode? What the hell? Because yeah. it just felt like early going season one, season two, Star Trek The Next Generation. Just like some weirdo planet where they speak in weird gobbledygook sentences and... You know, you got this this grand Romulan admiral with her bull haircut intoning crazy shit and talking about showing Rick the up 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 and Yeah, uh it it was <laughs> But I'll, So we got independent like independently we got emails in that uh-huh. they weren't watching our live watch sure. but they said this feels like a bad Star Trek episode. Yeah, and I'm telling they're hundred percent right on. Like everybody across the board knew it. Yeah. I don't believe that the people making the show couldn't tell. So are they trying to do that? Are they trying to get super campy with it? That's one of the things I was joking about on the live watch. Like, you know, they're, they're cracking their knuckles like, oh, we've just gotten by on inexperience and incompetence. But right. now we're really going to try to make a bad episode and see what you think. I got to say that this was more entertaining than like the Oceanside episode, which was very Star Trek to Next Generation in concept and just boring. This at okay. least wasn't boring. It was kind of uh, hilarious. Okay. I mean, I on my second watch through, so I saw this once during the live watch. Uh-huh. Uh, watched the whole thing. On my second watch through, I literally skipped these scenes because I don't care to see it again. This is fucking garbage. Yeah. This is... I, I'm going to go mean, ahead I and say, even... without a doubt, the worst thing The Walking Dead has ever done. Oh. It's terrible. Because um, at least the Glenn dumpster fire, like, they... they couldn't have known that it would be such a huge, crazy thing. Like, it might have been an interesting idea if they had yeah. pulled it off better. But this is just fucking trash. It's it's debatable what's the worst thing. <laughs> but, like, it's just really puzzling because uh, I did watch it. And I actually was uh, – I, I the second time through, it wasn't as funny. It was more just like, what the fuck? Like, why does Rick just trust these crazy people? Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like these people, if they overthrow the saviors, will be just as bad, if not worse. Like, how is throwing someone to some prickly pine zombie better than beating their heads in with a baseball bat? Right. Like, it's better in maybe a two-faced sense of the word, that you can flip a coin and maybe survive it. But, mm-hmm. like, that and, like, why were they directing to Paul or whatever the fuck her name was to act like she wanted to eat Rick? 
Like, like you know, she's just licking her lips and like wanting to, to dick him down. Yeah. Like, or like it's just, just such weird his life force. It's yeah. Like, I add his biological distinctiveness to her own. I don't. I don't know, man. It was it was crazy, but I I laughed a lot the first time I watched it. And I did too, but I couldn't stand to watch it again. I thought it was absolute garbage. Uh, this. Also, could have been a lot shorter. Like there, it, oh, it, it yeah, sucks there, because one of the coolest zombies they've ever done, maybe, sure. was mixed in with this heap of trash. Well, the literal and figurative heap of burning trash. There are was. some quite good scenes with Morgan and Daryl uh-huh. and Daryl and Carol. Um, but then, like to your point, to where what when things get too long, like the scene with Richard, this confrontation with Daryl, mm-hmm. like I couldn't fucking believe what I was seeing. That's a five minute scene that shouldn't be more than two. Like, they literally have three complete arguments where they restate their position Mm -hmm. uh, three times. Three times they had the argument where they said the same things. Three times was the number in which they said the things that they'd said before. That's exactly how that scene went. Uh Uh-huh. So, I don't know. Yeah, uh, and it's no, I do know. because... I do know is is hot garbage. Well, I think this episode is actually a mixed bag. It's not it's not terrible as as a whole, but no. there are parts in it which are some of the absolute worst garbage I've ever seen. All, all and literally it takes place in the garbage dump. Uh yeah. the new best friends, everything about that is hot garbage. Uh half the stuff, all the stuff with Daryl and Carol I thought was really good. Yes. Half the stuff with Daryl and Morgan, Morgan was pretty was good. good. Yep. And then the Daryl Richard bromance that lasted, you know, not even a commercial break. That was pretty bad too. Mm-hmm. But at least it propelled the plot forward. And but that's I mean this this just I don't again with fucking Kirkman man like you told this story once and it was compelling and there wasn't any fucking do it Deus Ex Machina with trash people involved. It was a story of yeah. communities of like-minded people coming together to resist evil. You know, tried and true, formulaic maybe, but the fucking worked. What the hell? What the hell is this Mad Max shit, man? Yeah, even if you so if you if this this tangent could have been okay if they did like absolutely everything completely differently. <laughs> if it wasn't just terrible, yeah. I and don't and get I it. feel bad for like some of the serious actors in here. Like Seth Gilliam is in there. Just delivering the clunkiest fucking dialogue I've ever heard a human being spit out, and I feel bad for the guy. As he's holding a a, 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 a two-bit Romulan extra hostage, that <laughs> right. knife point, which yeah. makes no sense. I, I don't know. So. It, it's almost like the just the cheesiness and shittiness of these characters rubbed off on our main actors in that scene. Like, how could it not, I guess? Well, when we should we should probably get right into it because I don't want to okay. I don't want to waste all of our ammo and the the preamble of the conversation that we're about to have. Sure. Uh, shall we get right into the episode? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so we are at a kingdom drop off the saviors, and they show up, and they're a bunch of assholes again. This Jared guy in particular is starting shit up with Richard. Uh, discuss. Okay. Uh, I I don't understand the philosophy of. Uh, it's not your fault, but make sure he stops it. Like, <laughs> I know it's how. How do you tell the guy who isn't instigating anything to stop the instigating? And and also he has to, to keep fix cut. the situation. I mean, they just want Richard to just take whatever shit the Jared dishes out. Right. And the the real problem is I don't know why they cast this head of this particular branch of saviors to be the blandest, most milk toast, douchiest guy ever because. 
say what you will about Negan charisma. Say what you will about his right hand man. I forget what that guy's name. The handlebar mustache from Westworld charisma. Definitely. This guy is like way below replacement level and he needs to yeah. be better if he's going to be like you give him good lines like read the goddamn room sensei uh-huh. but he looks like some kind of frustrated high school women's volleyball coach and it just doesn't right. work for me man yeah yeah it looks real hard like he's trying to ape rick's look like he's got the same hair the same beard a little bit of the same face let's but... try to describe that man he's he's the default yeah. setting for white guy yeah, or middle-aged white guy mm-hmm he is a bowl of tapioca pudding. And, yeah. you know, Jared's a giant douchebag and an asshole. And I don't, it's not clear to me why he's getting away with it because this guy is like giving him shit and clearly doesn't like what he's doing. Mm. But he's just letting it happen because. And like he comes up, he's like, oh, looks like you guys a little light. Oh, check again. Yay, verily. Yeah. Oh, one, two. Yep. I, I don't know what he's counting. Right. I don't know what the deal is. Watermelons, I, I guess. Yeah, you brought ten watermelons. Gas? There's not ten fucking gas cans in here. Like, yeah. I why should I care about any of this shit? There's I don't understand the stakes, so I don't understand the bad guy macho stuff. And yeah, like all this stuff is bad. And also, all why it's bad? Why is Ezekiel taking this like hard line? Like everyone's everyone's sitting there and jaws clenched and muscles quivering on both sides of the confrontation. Like Ezekiel should be coming in like a lot, yeah. like with a whole different mental attitude if he wants this thing to be. Like the submissive kind of rollover thing that he's trying to preach to Richard. I don't get it. I yeah, really don't. I mean, it does feel like Richard is barely under his in his grasp anymore. Right. Like Richard is pushing for things that Ezekiel clearly doesn't want. Oh, he's re- he's an out and he's re- rebelling. Right. And but even in not not behind the scenes, even mm-hmm. you know now he's rebelling kind of up front during these exchanges, and it has the potential to get everybody killed. And I don't know why Ezekiel isn't putting his foot down a little harder. Like he tries right. to here, but then that guy's like. No, I want him here because what? Because oh. I fucking like his face? So, what? So this 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 isn't a microcosm, a lot of what's wrong with The Walking Dead. Diane, who I didn't even know her name before this episode. This is the one with the sister is, with is the talking dress. about her sister and her dress, and that's like something, but they, they, they never come back to it, so I don't know what it means. There's several lines they of They do, di- though, at the end of the scene, or uh, I think it's the end of the scene where she's like, oh, yeah, my sister loved that dress. Like, they say it twice, implying that maybe that was her sister. Maybe, but who knows? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Yeah. Why? So unless I know for sure, what the hell is it doing? Is it trying to build her character? I don't know anything more about her than, than I did, other than, like, well, then maybe that's just a fucking J.C. Penny dress, and a million women bought it, and right. she's just making some kind of... I don't I don't get it. Also, uh, when the, the generic tapioca bad guy says, this has got to stop her... You know, uh, maybe things need to get a bit more visceral. What the fuck does that mean? Is he saying that Ezekiel should go home and beat the piss out of Richard? Uh, I think he's saying there, he might he might kill somebody. And Richard's first up on the list. But he already said, like, like you need three different ways to threaten a person. I guess, yeah. Like, I, when I, you look like and act like that guy, I suppose I so. It's... It's dumb, but he did, you know, when Morgan tries to get a stick back from Jared to uh, mm-hmm. read the goddamn room sensei, it's pretty good. It's a good line. Anytime Morgan gets scene. taken down a peg, I feel like that's a good thing. <laughs> okay. Uh, they get back to the kingdom, and Ezekiel observes that uh, young Benjamin was too quick with his stick. Ah, something something very many young men struggle with. Yep. A bit too quick with their stick. <laughs> uh, and Daryl confronts Morgan, wants to know what the hell is wrong with him. Mm-hmm. And you know Morgan tries to explain, 
For the 30th time, his position on morgalizing, and uh, Daryl takes him to task and says, if, if, if Carol knew the things you knew, she'd be back here, and she'd be leading us all to the gates of hell. And Morgan shoots back, she would, which is why she left. Which, that's going to come full circle by the end of the episode. Right, so I, I like kind of how this episode is setting up the next arc for Carol. Because I don't think anybody here in this room or listening to this believes that Carol is not coming back. Uh, to rejoin this fight, no, or I'm going she's to pay the ultimate though. price, yeah. right, at the hands of these fools, right? Because uh, like they've unnecessarily, I think, painted this character into the corner. Maybe Melissa wants out. That would be very. I mean, it sounds like a lot of sure. people in the show kind of are like, "Hey, when are we done here?" I like I, a decade, I, <laughs> ten years of my life making this. Can I? Is, is there a point where I can tap out? Yeah, and go make the next Star Trek sequel. <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I like what, so, you know, we're kind of beyond the phase of moralizing that I really disliked, which was him just being staunchly anti, right. anti, uh, killing. Right. Now he has more of a measured approach to it. And I think they're doing a lot of interesting things here, both with Daryl and Carol. Yeah. Uh, no, I, and, and this triangle, right? Between the three of them. I like how they're using Carol's struggle to maintain her humanity slash, you know, sanity, which is a well-worn hobby horse at this point in The Walking Dead to tell us something new, or not even new, but just something interesting about her relationship with Daryl or Daryl's relationship with her. Yeah, and, and you know, how people are, are people willing to help her out with that? Or are they mm-hmm. going to be just realists and say, we need Carol in this fight? Um, and, you know, by the end, Daryl has certainly made a decision there. Uh, speaking of getting Carol into the fight, uh, Daryl stumbles upon Richard, who's learning how to shoot bows, and boy, howdy, someone needs to show him how, because... Yeah, well, he's, he's a gun he's guy. Doing the, he's doing the whole pinched arrow and pull it back, and it's just terrible. You he's can't... a gun guy. He yeah. like, he pinches his triggers that way, too. Yeah, well, go find some of the go find the one-legged girl that looks like she knows what she's doing and have her show you how to properly draw a bow, dude. Or maybe Daryl. Daryl might. Daryl's like, well, I, I do the crossbow, man. Right. Um, he gives Daryl back a crossbow and then explains to him his grand plan of going and ambushing saviors and essentially forcing Ezekiel's hand. Uh, and his plan was to stage a trail so that it led back to the weapons cache that he's been he his fortress of Richardude we've joked about in the, f- the past few weeks. And then from there, it's going to lead back to Carol's cabin. The saviors will fall upon her and annihilate her, which will provoke Ezekiel into action since he apparently loves Carol enough that they would do that. Yeah, I guess so. And Daryl finds out it's Carol that they're using for bait. I think Daryl would have had a problem with anyone being used for bait. You think so? I do. I really do. I'm not sure about that. Uh, it's one. He th- was really adamant about the name. If he really wanted, like, to just prevent anyone from so dying. So, what does that tell us about Daryl? Then he's just cool with some random, random he's, person dying. Yeah, he's cool with sacrifice, but that's too much. <sighs> too much. Carol's too close to him. I don't know. I'm going to give him the benefit Everybody of the doubt. Everybody has people like that. Like, though. he's ready to, like, okay, we're going to pace these saviors, and they're going to go off half-cocking his kingdom, and that will force Ezekiel's hand. Sacrificing someone who was not willing to be sacrificed, I think anyone would is where Daryl draws the line. Maybe I'm wrong. I just feel like he's too good a dude not to, or to be cool with that. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what's the difference between you know. and the, the, the governor, you and uh, the saviors at that point? I don't know. 
I mean, is maybe one of there, the maybe there is such a thing as the greater good in that universe. I, I wonder if there's going to be a plot point where some people defect. Like if I could see Richard and Rosita yeah. defecting to the Saviors see at Ezekiel this point. defecting, frankly, like Why? leaving his own kingdom. Why? Because he, I mean, he doesn't seem. I don't know what it's going to take to move Ezekiel off his position because, honestly, like I've never understood the real connection between him and Carol. Right. Like, why did they connect? Um, I know they, you know, had this little moment together where they, she told him his story or whatever, but, Mm -hmm. or he told her his story. But it, other than that, I mean, there hasn't really been a connection except for pomegranates and cobbler. Like, I mean, I think her strength is what attracts him to her, but they haven't done a real good job of explaining that. But they also don't, I I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff about the king. Like, Objectively, is the kingdom less silly than the trash people? Uh, no, but the people in it are. Okay, you've got the, the one. You've got one person are. that's acting crazy, and everyone's going along with him because he's got a tiger. Versus everyone's deciding they're going to talk like, right. you know, the planet trashy Alpha Five or whatever. Yeah, and I mean, we know that Ezekiel's act is exactly that, mm-hmm. right? It's a put on, mm-hmm. and I don't know what these trash people's deal is at right. the moment, but. By far, it was stupider than the kingdom, in my opinion. Uh, so anyway, as I said, Richard and Daryl had this argument, and it just goes on for fucking ever. And the only thing that makes it worth it is Daryl debu- debuting his escalating, uh, saying, nah. It starts <laughs> right. off like, nah, nah. And then nah. goes, nah, nah. <laughs> like, he goes to the nah and adds an ow. Like, someone kicked him in the balls in the middle of it. Nah! Yeah. It's, it's, it's classic. Uh, they struggle. Uh, Daryl recites the the Godfather speech that uh, uh, you know Don Don Vito Corleone gives to the other five families about his his son Michael coming back to America. Yep. Uh, if 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 anything should be befall Carol, like I thought it was the Godfather speech, and then he actually says, "Or if lightning should strike her, I'm going to kill you." Mm-hmm. And Richard says, "You don't understand. I'm willing to die for the kingdom." And then Daryl says, "Well, then why don't you?" And he's got a point. Like if Richard just rode in and unilaterally pasted half of this this road crew, and he's wearing the kingdom's armor, uh, definitely the saviors would show up for retribution and it would force Ezekiel's hand. Mm-hmm. So as soon as he said that, I'm like, okay, this kind of seems dumber because I don't think Richard's dumb, and if he really is that willing to die, then why the hell doesn't he just do it? He well. Like why? Why not? Bla- he's trying to make he's trying to make Ezekiel angry. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to get the saviors to attack Ezekiel out of the blue. Okay. So like, he wants Ezekiel to change his mind. And you know, if if the saviors come calling and they want to kill a few people, Ezekiel might see it as not worth not worth fighting over. Uh, you know, if they're going to kill a person or two, but if they kill the person that he's closest with, maybe I feel like he should try and get Jerry killed. There you go. Like, that would really piss off Ezekiel, I think. I just don't, like, I feel like blasting Jared in the face to do the same thing, you know? Like, here, like, like this, because Ezekiel right now is not doing this because he thinks that starting a war will get people killed. If Richard shows that not fighting the war gets people killed, then it becomes a, a much simple, min, simpler mental calculus. People are going to die either way. Why not die on your feet rather than your knees? Yeah, but, I mean, it'll be a temporary bump in the road if the saviors come calling, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you, like, you know, what happened with Glenn and Abraham, mm-hmm. that 
didn't ultimately kill everyone in the community, whereas starting a war could. So Ezekiel needs a damn good reason to start a war, and if Carol is that reason, then which the show is telling us, then I guess yeah, that I, would be I, it. I just guess that if the saviors had shown to be even a little bit stable, but they seem to, and that's what I don't understand about them, they're always provocative. It's not like a shock and awe campaign, and then they back off, and right. like good cop, bad cop. It's just all bad cop all the fucking time. Mm-hmm. Like you're daring people to rebel, yeah. and I don't get it. I don't get it. But uh, anyway, we then meet, again, as I mentioned, uh, the people of Trashy Alpha 5. Uh <laughs> They 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 lead Rick into their massive trash compound. They slowly encircle and ring them in some kind of weirdly choreographed scene that takes forever. Like I thought they're like about to, to I thought they're about the dance fight. Honestly, yeah. Like they start snapping their fingers. It's like okay, okay, Rick, show them what you got. Uh, then uh, I, I the science officer from Galaxy Quest shows up and mm-hmm. asks. Are you a collective, or does one of you lead? And she's got Mod's voice from the Big Lebowski. And at this point, I, what? Yeah, she looks like a poor man's Mia Jovovich uh-huh. in some of the, war, the 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 latter really bad Resident Evil. She's she's got the uniform and the bull haircut of a Romulan commander from Next Generation era Star Trek. Yep, she's speaking like Mod, mashed up with a bad the Borg Star Queen. Trek. Yep, I. I I mean, and she's giving the cue finger gestures like this could not be more of a Star Trek episode if they tried. And they might, in fact, be trying. You know, I I was thinking that same thing. Like, is this a rib at uh, Sasha's expense? Because isn't she in the new Star Trek? Isn't she part of the new Star Trek? Oh, I think you're right. I'm not sure. I haven't been keeping up on that. Like, I wonder if this isn't like like we're giving him shit for it. And rightfully so, because this is an Easter egg is one thing. Right. This is some self-indulgent bullshit of this these jokes are just for this one actor's expense, but yeah. Uh anyway. Well, also, also can we say that they essentially operate on the prime directive here? We take, we don't bother. Like <laughs> sure. if they don't know we're there, we're not going to move in and steal the guy's boat shit. Right. I, yeah. This couldn't be more Star Trek. It really is. It really is. Um Rick asks for proof of Gabriel's life. They give it to him. He explains that the saviors own their lives and they're not free to give them. But if they want stuff from us, then to join us and fight against them. There's a scuffle breaks out where Gabriel miraculously ends up with a, sword, uh, a knife to uh, Tamael's throat, which I'm pretty sure is the name of the dog demon from Hellboy. So <laughs> check that box off your bullshit sci-fi bingo, too. Uh, Gabriel pleads with the chance to be allowed to demonstrate what this group can do. Uh, so then who we eventually come to appreciate is Jadis says that Rick is going to be shown to up, up, up. Fuck me, man. Yeah. I, if I'm Andrew Lincoln, I'm, I'm going back to my trailer and I am crying yeah. after every take. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I am weeping for the future of my career. Right. It, this was fucking terrible. Like he's calling John Bernthal and like, man... <laughs> You got out at the right you got, time. He's like, I, I should have read for I, I should have read for your part because I could have been two and done. Yep. Uh, Off so, to Wolf of Wall Street. I could have been right. doing some great shit. I could have been the Punisher. I could have <laughs> done Punisher. Yep. Uh, so she explains her take, but don't bother philosophy. But they don't really explain it. Uh, she says, I mean, I'm seriously. Her her dialogue is, we take, we don't bother. We open can. Sometimes inside is rotten. 
Darmok and Jalad at Tanagra when the walls fall. And then she shoves Rick into the pit to determine his worth. And an admittedly cool Urukai fighting zombie razor blade thing comes out and Rick fights it in ways that make me think he's probably going to lose an arm or a leg because there's no tetanus shots in these worlds. Right. But he there's be- so much trash there. Couldn't he just grab trash and like start I, shoving it at it? That's what he eventually did. Like Michonne's like, a, use the trash, trash against it, and he's like, oh yeah, I can. And yeah, yeah trash uh fells the up. zombie, and uh, he 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 wins. And it's but the fight is dumb. It's not cool. But the Romulan High Commander is impressed. Rick uh, clambers up the trash pile with the help of some ropes. And she says, we'll help you, but we need guns, a lot of them. Uh, Rick grins in front of one of the worst CGI matte paintings I've ever seen. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Like, that's literally Next Generation era. Yeah. Yeah. I don't understand how you can in, you can animate a tiger with fur and it looks real and you can't execute a matte painting. <laughs> right. Like, I've seen him do it a bunch. I've seen him do it uh-huh. with, like, the fucking queer. Did they just forget how? What the hell? Maybe they just had an intern working on that. Like, I I feel... I, I want to go back and I want to watch The Talking Dead for this episode because, oh, my God, I feel so bad for Chris Hardwick. Yeah. What do you do when AMC is writing you huge checks... You to cash do him. this show. You cash him. You, you hold you put your nose on, and you cash You him? put on a tightly a tailored suit and you... Spike your hair and you cash you read. Checks. You read the tweets to tell you to read. You make the jokes to tell you to God. make. God. Yeah. Being on that couch with those guys. He I couldn't looked, have done it. I Because we saw the first five minutes or so while we were cleaning up the office and, and transitioning out of the live watch last night. And I thought he looked rattled. How could you not? Because he just spends 30 seconds essentially giving the IMDb summary of what the episode just was. Yeah. And he's got that kind of like, you know, pained expression, but like tight eyed smile and like, oh, 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 yeah. Oh, what a, what a, you know, what do you say? What do you say? I thought you said tie dye smile. Yeah, no, that too. That too. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. That, I feel for him. The whole, and the whole time. Rick is negotiating with J- Jadis. She acts like she just wants to jump his bones. Yeah. Like she wants to clamber up his trash pile and get get up into his nasty nailed zombie business. I, I and I why? I why? I don't know. Are they going to set up some weird ass tri- like love triangle between her? Maybe. I thought this was going like Merovingian from the Matrix like she's going to ask Rick for a kiss. I want to sample the love you have for her. It's just so fucking How do these people get so weird? Society know, died man. two years ago. It's not been 200. Yeah. This isn't fun. Like, was there a nuclear bomb that went off in the East Coast that we don't know about and these people are radiated? Is yeah. there lead in their water? They've, what the fuck? They've been living off the grid for hundreds of years. They're just coming out of the woodwork now. These, is this a, the descendants of a bunch of fucking meth lab operators? <laughs> I don't get why everyone is equal. They're all in on the fucking joke. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, weird. So anyway, they negotiate a split of the spoils. Uh, she says the deal has an expiration date. Um, it, this begs the question again: Why does Rick trust that these people? Like, if Rick gives them a shit ton of guns, why don't they just paste the saviors and be the new weirder rulers? Right, or even kill the Alexandrians? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, or just kill everybody. Like, they don't yeah. bother. Like, well, you gave us all these guns, so we're going to take. We're not going to bother. We're just going to take. Right. Like, I don't. I mean, this this. 
this this gives me the whole um remember the episode of the um <sighs> I don't know what the aliens were, but they kidnapped Jordy because they look for things that make them go. Like anytime a species gives you some kind of like, uh, we look for things to make us go, we ta- we we take, we, we don't, don't bother. bother. Like I'm like, um, I'm gonna have to see some subsections of your policy because nothing in that assures me that you're not going to shove your fist up my ass and take my intestines. <laughs> well, it's tough. Without bother, you know? you know who are you not bothering? You're not bothering yourself. You're not bothering me. Right. Like, it, I imagine when you're a mostly insane subspecies of human who somehow has been living off the radar for 200 years uh-huh. it's hard to sum up your ethos in a pithy one-liner mm. i imagine it's tough so you know we take we don't bother you know valiant effort but i mean maybe... she might as well have just said yolo yeah like that's yeah. that kind of in- in- encapsulates the philosophy as well the other thing is like they're sitting on this giant landfill mm-hmm it just stretches as far as the eye can see. It can only be expelled. You can't find a real landfill that would look like this, so they have to express it through a map painting. How has no one found them yet? Mm-hmm. Like, a landfill would be a, a, one of the first places you'd go scavenge for, like, car batteries, gas, yeah. parts for your vehicle. Like, all this concentrated, useful shit that you would need. Right. Like, people pay for the privilege to go in the junkyards and pull shit out of it today. How is this some <laughs> kind of prime hideout spot? I don't know. I don't know. I think they just have the cool idea of wouldn't it be awesome if people are living in these buried uh, shuttle or freight containers? So it's essentially the two dump trucks dumping right salt on zombies. It'd like be it, cool if it's, it'd be cool if, but no thought happen. that like how this actually happens and right. how did this culture arrive and or how did they decide to wear all black clothes? Like you know, no. like like that's that's the yeah. the. the the discipline to which they adhere to this weird ass lifestyle is the other thing that's that's bizarre. I don't know. I I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, anything else we want to say before we move on? No. Ezekiel uh, does another one. Of these not visits to Carol, which oh my god. Yeah. How many more of these can we take before? Like this is the sixth time. The whole oh we're not here really. We're just right, and obviously it's just a setup for Daryl for her to be like annoyed by another knock on the door. I get and it. Think that Ezekiel's come back and yeah, find out it's Daryl and be surprised. But yeah, yeah. I mean, plus I the, think the stronger portion of the scene obviously is when Daryl arrives. Well, it's getting to the point where like I hate to say this because you know. This is like every time. This is like everyone's um, rationale for disrespecting people's wishes. Well, what they really—they don't really want to be left alone. But at some uh-huh. point, Carol's still hanging around that spot where everyone's bothering her. I gotta ask if she really wanted to be left alone. Wouldn't she just like vamos? Uh, probably, yeah. I mean, get the fuck out of there. I don't. I, I. I. I'm starting to think that maybe she really does like people showing concern for her. Anyway, uh, as you as you mentioned, um, Jerry offers some fucked up cobbler that he stored improperly in his backpack. Um, she dismisses them. There's a knock at the door. She opens up to, as if to say, what the fuck do you want? And this time it's Daryl. Yep. And they have a real moment, and Daryl kind of chokes up and says, why do you go? Yeah. Which is super effective because Daryl has been abandoned by several important people. It's like his whole life has been a series of abandonments. Yeah. And him and Carol did have a special bond of some indeterminate maternal, paternal, yeah. sexual nature. I don't at, really at quite point, understand it. But it was five years ago, so yeah. I'm having trouble even remembering it, other than right. 
some kind of flower that they exchanged at some point. Right, there was and a Cherokee's rose, Cherokee, Cherokee rose, rose yeah. and then Daryl realized he was secretly gay, and but <laughs> right. and then he f- maybe found room in his heart for a a, a, a teenager, and mm-hmm. then she Carol got Carol yeah. got some smoke in his eyes, and then she showed him a book about kids being molested, and yep. I, now we're here wherever we're at. I'm, that that's the whole seven year saga, I think, of of Carol and Daryl. I think so, but. There is a connection between the characters. There and, is. And it and I feels do, genuine. It and feels I do natural. buy it. I'm talking yeah. a lot of shit about this scene, but this actually worked. And over the years, you know, every time they've interacted, we have we have continuously pointed out how good that stuff is. Uh-huh. Uh, this is one of the things that this show gets right, is the relationship between Daryl and Carol. Right. Uh, back at the Trash Society, uh, Rick and Gabriel have a moment. And Gabriel asks, why did you smile? And Rick responds, I saw the dailies of what I look like in front of this fucking CGI backdrop, and it's hilarious. Uh, Rosita and Tara have a scuffle about the gun mission. Rosita wants to do the gun mission now. Uh, Tara and everybody else want to take the supplies back to Alexandria so you know they don't all fucking starve. And so the Rick and Aaron can get medical treatment. And Rosita is just a giant huge bitch for no real reason. Well, no real reason. She lost Abraham. But this this fucking show, how many times does someone lose someone important and instead of, like, there's only, I guess there's She's only. She's tried. I mean, don't tell me Rosita has not fucking tried, tried to take what? matters into her own hands. I know. And she got, fu- in it, in it, so I thought the way they wrote and directed the episode in which Eugene was ripped from them that she pre- played like, oh, I see the error of my way. I had my irrational freak out that endangered the group and in specifically one individual who just the episode before warned me that this very thing would happen. Mm-hmm. And now I've learned my lesson. And two episodes from later, she's like, no, fuck all that. Well, she's learned a lesson. She has like she's not down with the methods that are wasting time biting are you time honestly defending this or are you just trying to yeah. see if you can make my head explode no i'm honestly okay. defending it I, right. I, rosita has learned that she can't do it herself okay but rosita is fed up with the bullshit of waiting around and and trying to come up with some grand plan she wants to take action she just knows she can't so do then it she offers to go do it herself if no one else will help so did she really what lesson did she learn does she i mean she goes back with she goes with the group it's not like She's off on her own at the end. I don't of know. Episode. I thought she said, "Well, fine, I'll do it myself." And then Tara says, "No, we cannot split up the group." And that Rosita said, hmm. "Fuck." She she essentially said, "Fuck you," and stormed off. I don't know. I skipped half of the right. junkyard fair, scenes. Fair enough. So, um, so anyway, the 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 pro council of the trash planet intones guns, guns soon or else, and they do that thing where the the council finishes each other's sentences and like i'm like okay whatever yeah rick swipes cat statue which is a nice nod to like three four seasons ago when, he... when him and michonne first started right. palling around and she first started yeah, realizing like that. she could care again yeah that's fine that's fine and he also as part of a better show would be excellent yeah uh he he also tells tara hey you can tell us where not to look which she knows exactly where to look she could take them to the seaside right now yeah but she's not going to. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the other thing is like there's a point where they're talking about guns, lots of guns, and like Tara actually fingers her little bracelet that she got from this right. ocean side, and I'm like, man, that uh, pretty 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 heavy handed there. Sure is. The the, the ham fisted bacon gauntlet 
tradition is alive and well in, in The Walking Dead. Yeah. Uh, so we get more Carol and Daryl, and Carol explains that I don't want to kill anymore, but I know I would if they hurt if anyone hurt our people, but there wouldn't be anything left of me after that. Then Carol asked Daryl if anyone got hurt, which I think was her stealing herself to go back into Carol Rambo mode. And Daryl lies and says, no, everyone's all right. The Rick worked out a deal like Ezekiel and everything's hunky-dory. Uh, and I thought it was really good. I really liked the touch where, like, you know, they hug and they leave. And Carol does this, like, dance on the porch debating whether she should go after him. Or, you know, like, I felt like that was really well acted. Um, yeah. I, the thing is, I just don't know about this thesis about why is Carol – and they, they they haven't really convinced me about why Carol thinks that there would be nothing left of her if she defends the people that she loves. Like, well, I don't understand what the show is trying to tell us here. She, I mean, she's – I think she is deathly afraid of going back to Rambo, Carol Rambo. Right. She doesn't want to go berserker anymore. Right. And she thinks it's a slippery slope, a little too slippery. Yeah, I get that. I just, I just don't know. I don't know that I agree with the moral calculus there, which is fine. I guess I don't have to. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, Daryl. Then I mean, it's like it, it's like you know an alcoholic who refuses to drink at all, and you say, "Oh, well, why couldn't you just have a drink or two? Well, yeah, they but can't like, because they don't have the ability to control that. But if you're Jackie Chan and you're in Drunken Master 2 and drinking obscene amounts of alcohol is the only way you can transform into the drunken fighting master and save your whole society from having its culture appropriated and, th- and thieved wholesale, mm-hmm. then you fucking get drunk and you do to get you get you, you like that's unless the thing, you care like, about whether or not it destroys you. So you like, you value your own sanity and sobriety over the people that you love. I can't really fault because that's the for thing. That. It's a, I mean, it's well, I mean, it's just a fundamentally selfish act. So okay. I guess they're changing Carol's character to be fundamentally selfish, and it's it's a false equivalency because, like you know, in reality, there is I it's the opposite. With people people give in their alcoholism, they destroy their lives and the people around them that care about them. Sure, sure. this is almost like uh, for whatever reason, Popeye refusing to eat spinach. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so I get it. It's destructive to Carol, but like sometimes are you, what are you willing to die for? What are you willing to lose yourself for? Sure. So, I mean, these are, these are all questions that the show is asking and I, but but I don't know why we're giving it a pass because these are not unique or interesting questions just because we really like Daryl and Carol. So I don't think there is a unique or interesting question under the sun, but in as much as you want to see a, a not unique and uninteresting question answered in an interesting and unique way i don't think they're doing a terrible job here yeah i'm not uh, i i think the early going with like morgan and carol mm-hmm. was too much for me i mean the, all the morgalizing that happened there it was flip-flopping every episode uh that was really annoying i think they're they're rounding into something that is a little more polished here a little more interesting and nuanced i mean i guess you're right i i just First of all, I disagree that there's nothing new. I think there are things new that they could try in the show, and for whatever reason, they are still dragging their feet about getting to that point. So okay. that's the frustration I'm feeling right now. Yeah. Uh, Morgan finds Daryl communing with Shiva. Uh, she lets him pet her. He says that uh, the other thing that, that they talked about in the previous scene is whether Ezekiel's all right. And Carol vouches for him. The tiger vouches for him. That's good enough for Daryl, which actually kind of makes... That makes a lot of hillbilly sense. <laughs> um, and Daryl says to Morgan, you need to make this happen. You need to bring 
the kingdom into the fight. And whatever you're yeah. holding on to, it's already gone, man. You need to wake the hell up. But then Morgan, I think, correctly says, if you really believe that, you would have told Carol the truth. And you didn't because if you had, she would have been here. Mm-hmm. And that this this seems like – I think this is actually my, my, my best back and forth of the whole episode because it's an honest re- – it's it two good. characters yeah. honestly talking about what they really think mm-hmm. and you know having a bit of a, a conundrum there. Yeah, and I, I like the pressure that's being put on Morgan as well. You know, mm-hmm. it's yeah. He's now Daryl's on the warpath, right? Um, you know, the the savior situation is becoming more and more untenable every time they meet, every interaction they have. At some point, Morgan is gonna flip that switch. Yeah, I think. I just um, and Daryl heads heads back to the hilltop to get ready. I just. When they say that they want to hold on to something, I guess that's fine. I just don't understand how your desire to hold on to something when you your friends and family need you override. I mean, that just doesn't feel like an authentic decision. Like, I feel like I'm conditioned to think of those people as hmm. as weak and foolish. Plenty of people are weak and foolish. Sure. They're not usually the heroes of, of dramatic television involving zombies, but... I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, there are, like, there's... It could be just... A tragic hero sort of thing, you know? Do we want reality from our television? Do we want a heightened reality, like a better version of reality? Like, when we say something is realistic, what do we actually mean? And I think The Walking Dead consistently fucks up the balance there, where it's like... Oh, I agree with that, yeah. Okay, and this is just another example of it. And mm-hmm. and, and I'm not saying that Kirkman's original comics are perfect, because they're not, but my God, they're not nearly this lopsided and aimless and 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 lacking of confidence lacking in narrative confidence mm-hmm. and i don't know where it comes from but I, I and i don't really want to talk about it cuz i i've i've we've we've had this yeah. discussion every single season right so that's it that's the end of the episode um uh, daryl heads off to the hilltop you know what time it is right Time to pay the bills. Pay those bills. Pay them with a big Audible sponsorship. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. It's time to listen to some audiobooks. Like, I, oh, I gotta, right. We, we got to get through this ad so I can get back to listening to all my audiobooks. Yeah. Uh, I, I've i listened to audiobooks. Do you? you I do. You must. I, I do. Uh, I actually mostly listen to audiobooks now instead of actually reading. Because, uh, you know, you can do it while you're doing other things. I mm-hmm. think that's the, the benefit of listening versus reading. Uh, it's why people listen to podcasts, and it makes perfect sense that Audible will be sponsoring podcasts. Uh, like you heard up at the beginning of the episode, you can get a free audiobook with a 30-day trial if you go to audible.com slash baldmove uh, and use... Uh, you, d- you don't even have to use a promo code. You just go there, and it kind of knows that, hey, Bald Move sent you there. Uh, I actually recently checked out a book that you got in the mail like last week yeah. and that I think could really help our listeners as they watch The Walking Dead, as they <laughs> consider the material of this uh-huh, podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, it's called 10% Happier. It's by M- Dan my, Harris. Maybe that's what Carol was reading by the fireplace. It might She's have been. trying to figure out how to be 10% happier in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah, and it's, it's essentially this. You might have heard of Dan Harris, actually, because he is a news anchor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was for a very long time. I think he still is. Uh, but he wrote this book, 10% Happier, and it's kind of all about his struggle with what he was doing and the stress-related and how he learned that meditation was really a tool that would benefit him. And and it takes you through like his whole journey from thinking meditation is a ridiculous, silly thing that only 
uh, hippies do and, and yogis and all these these weird people do into something that can actually help you in your everyday life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's something that, you know, you don't have to devote all your time to it, but, mm-hmm. you know, the time it, you do devote, devote to it, uh, it, it benefits you everywhere else. And I actually found that book really interesting. I haven't been able to practice it as much as I would like. I'd try it every once in a while. Uh, but, you know, you got to start somewhere. And I think the book is pretty good inspiration. Yeah, I would I would recommend that if you're having trouble swallowing the trash people in this episode, maybe do a little meditation, maybe listen to maybe go to audible.com slash bald move and check out Dan Harris's uh, meditation book. Ten percent happier. I think you will be ten percent happier. Uh, if you're wondering how to spell audible, it's a U D I B L E dot com slash bald move. Like I said, um, you could also listen to it in your car. That's what I do. You know, you can't make more time, but what you can do is make the most of it. Uh, if you want to turn your chores or your commute time into something more with a free trial at Audible, go to audible.com slash bald move to start now. Hey, everybody. We're back for uh, the, the, the Pay the Bills Part 2, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, we want to talk about the, the, the club bald move. If you go to club.baldmove.com, you can sign up. Need a lot of cool features. The one I want to highlight this week is the live watch, which we did a lot over the Christmas oh, break. We also had, I think, one for the ages last night. It's like yeah. I think you've gotten the uh, um, impression that like we had a lot of fun watching this live. Well, the live watch allows you to get into our studio, sit on the couch with us, and get the watching this crazy episode of Jim and Aaron experience. All the original Star Trek jokes and Galaxy Quest jokes and. Mia Jovovich, uh, Resident Evil jokes, just just jokes on jokes uh, with this episode. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I heard a lot of feedback from people. What it is is uh, we watch it in real time, but we have a visual syncing device so that if you want to later watch the episode on iTunes mm-hmm. or if you want to watch it if you're on Pacific Coast, uh, it, it's there anytime. You, 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 you queue up the video, you sync it up with the thing you're watching on television, and then we essentially are in the room now joking with you with yeah. the walking dead if you've seen like mystery science theater it's, it's essentially that with yeah. a visual sync yeah or riff tracks or whatever yeah which i think is easier to use than the audio sync it's a I much quicker so. to, to sync up and a lot of people i've seen like snap it in their like xbox one oh right uh, thing and so the, it makes it super easy once you get it synced up once you could just it's just going to be synced up and you can watch your walking dead in full screen mm-hmm. um a lot of different ways to consume it that's one of the many features of of, of club bald move the exclusive features that you can only get by signing up so if you like our content and you want more of it there are a lot of ways you can sign up monthly quarterly yearly whatever uh fits your budget and and uh you know, if you you're only a Walking Dead fan, don't care about the rest of us, uh, you can just do quarterly or month to month. Or if you like our stuff year round, you can sh- uh, save save a little bit of money by taking the annual subscription. Either way, if you want to support our podcast and get even more great Bald Move content, uh, and incidentally, skip the several minutes of advertising that sometimes we right. inflict upon you to pay the bills because you get ad free feeds. So many great features. It's a cornucopia of savings and values. Uh, go to club.baldmove.com and help support us doing our thing. What do you got for feedback? Jim Jones. Uh, I have Bill from Houston. Says, don't know if this is just an Easter egg or if there's some kind of deeper thematic purpose, but the truck behind Richard and Daryl during the big fight about Carol is the big rig from Smokey and the Bandit. Shit. And I he meant... sent a picture along. Yep. I meant to that. mention that because I saw, I saw an article about that. Yeah, I had written it down in my notes, and I purposely like waited until... Did 
Bill brought it up. So did they run out of zombie and horror films to give homages to and just like, yeah, hey, we're going to start just doing like, oh, I, everybody likes smoking the bandits. Yeah. Next week, we're going to do a short circuit reference. We're going to find Johnny Five. Yeah. And he's going to be the perfect zombie killer. And people will swallow it because they've swallowed the the dreadlocked ninja. They've swallowed the 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 Shakespeare in the Park guy, the tiger, and now Trash City. They're Here's ready the for Johnny Five. They're ready for Johnny Five. <laughs> Here's the problem with Trash City uh-huh. is that there was nothing cool about it. No. The coolest thing was, was that Walker, which had nothing really to no. do with the people there in Trash City. Plus, they gave him an uncool name, Milton. <laughs> like, what the... They, what... That just asks more. That just asks more questions than, or maybe it's Millhouse. That's even Wilson worse. Or something. Maybe it's Winslow. 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 Yeah. Right. So uh, yeah, it, like the other things were fundamentally cool, right? A tiger. Yeah. With this fucking king is fundamentally. Like you can cool. see, like when they unleashed a tiger, it's right. probably going to be very cool. Like a ninja wom- with badass spinning dreadlocks. Awesome. Yeah, and she's lopping off things' heads by the dozen. That's actually visually cool. Right. These were. I mean, say what you will about Star Trek The Next Generation. It is not, especially in the first few seasons, cool. <laughs> no. It is not cool. No, not like, it, at all. It doesn't even get even close to being cool until, like, I don't know, best of both worlds. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. When the uniforms get collars and Riker grows out a beard, it kind of gets Starts cool. Yep. Like, it's high school nerd cool. All right. Cheryl says, according to the internet, Kirkman has officially confirmed that Jesus will be gay on the show. I've seen some pretty homophobic reactions to this news around the internet. Do you guys have any words of wisdom for those who seem to be unable to wrap their heads around the fact that LGBT people exist in the zombie apocalypse? I have they not seen The Wire? Yeah. Like one of literally the most badass, fully realized, awesome characters in all television history was an openly uh kiss kiss uh, kiss a man on the mouth gay homosexual. And if you can't if you don't think that like I sh- I, I'm well. I don't know what specifically the reactions have been. I, can I don't know guess. if people are saying. Well, I've been on the internet long you can enough to guess, know. But yeah, sure. Right. It's like, just a guess. It's just like you know, Dumbledore is gay. Oh, what the fuck? You know, it's like these people have this knee jerk reaction, and it's just it's it's honestly embarrassing, and it's it's juvenile and adolescent. Sure. Like, oh, this doesn't fit my preconceived idea of what a gay person can be, so thus it must be stupid and dumb. Like, right? I mean, the definition of provincial and immature. I LGBTQ. I, I feel like I should just say the whole alphabet, but all of those people come in all different stripes. Sure, everyone comes in all different stripes, and if you think. That that's not true. You just don't know anything. <laughs> no, like, I, I, there's probably. I mean, I've heard say that there's a not you know like not a crazy percentage, but like along the population mean of like football players that are gay. Sure, rugby yeah. players that are gay, basketball mm-hmm. players that are gay. Like, think of the most macho. Like, it has like nothing to special do with. Fo- how there was a Navy SEAL that's now a transgendered woman. Right. Like, you can't find a more badass person on the planet. Yeah. So get the fuck over yourselves. People can be yeah. whatever the hell they want, and what they do with their dicks or vaginas or genetic code is completely aside from the issue. What if they try and make it distinctive, add their distinctiveness to their own? <laughs> that's fine. If they want to, yeah. Uh, Borg queens should be able to marry Locutus if they want to, man. 
Okay. Nothing wrong with that. And if, yeah. if, if, if Locutus is consenting to it, <laughs> right. I don't think it's cool to just I, kidnap I, the guy off his own bridge and reprogram his brains a little fuck yeah. Like, that's not that's not consent as I recognize yeah. it. I, I feel like the data, like the board queen data strategy is better. You gotta right. entice him. Right. You gotta, you gotta tempt him. Right. I mean, I, just, I, I hear people say that, and I just hear, like, I have never had a substantial, con- substantial conversation with any gay person. Right. And I've not cracked a book or read a magazine or newspaper, and, like, that might be elitist, but it's probably also true. So it's not my problem to fix. I just I, At this point, it's like society will move on past that position. It, it kind of honestly already has. Like, with Omar Little and Jesus and, you know, uh, transgendered Navy SEALs, society kind of has, so... Catch up. Yeah, I mean there there are still some holdouts. I, I get it for sure. A lot of them. That's that's what they are. You yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, so Nola asks or says a lesson from tonight's episode is that the show works best when it leans on the characters' shared history. Daryl and Carol scenes were really moving because they felt earned. Too often the show doesn't highlight the shared history of some of our favorite characters. For instance, Carol and Michonne have never had a scene alone together, and Carol and Daryl both only ever had one or two scenes alone with Glenn. Carol finding out about Glenn's death would have been an even greater impact if we saw more of their relationship, and Daryl's guilt would be even more gut-wrenching if they had shared more screen time. Instead, we often get stuck with pairings like Daryl and Dwight, Glenn and Noah, or Glenn and Tara. I get that the old characters help bring in the new ones into the fold, but it feels like the show is always building up new relationships instead of paying off old ones. What do you think? Yes, (laughs) and especially when you think of that they've had seven seasons of television to form a relationship. Like, I'm thinking about like what Next Generation had, like the go this go whole hog in the Star Trek thing. Um, Star Trek had what eight seasons? Next Generation, Uh, yeah. Like, imagine a pairing, and they had screen time. Like, Data hung out with Troy. Worf hung out with Troy. Crusher hung out with, uh, went on assault missions with Jordy and Picard. Like they, right. every possible permutation, just be, if nothing else, because the writers probably got bored and they want to mix things up. It's kind of embarrassing that you can't point to a scene where Glenn and Daryl had a heart to heart when you've had seven going on eight seasons to develop that, or that Carol and Glenn never had a heart to heart. Right. And uh, I don't like it's these, the, you know, I mean, to me, it doesn't bother me because, like, I can read between it. Like, I've never seen Daryl take a shit. Pretty sure he uses the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Like, I will take it that these people being together since day one probably had those things just off screen. So it works for yeah. me. Like, I absolutely believe Carol would be apocalyptic uh, or apocalyptic or however you pronounce it. Uh, angry. Very, very angry and beside herself to find out that Glenn is, was dead, mm-hmm. if not Abraham. So, yeah. Yeah, I... I do think it's tough with an ensemble cast, um, but it's not impossible. And there are shows that nail this. I mean, sure. if you look at Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones is fantastic at this. Uh, Especially if you know... Here's the thing. If you spent more than a, a, a single second planning out your seasons, or if you mm-hmm. went like and maybe, I don't know, followed the fucking comic book that you've, that you've had, you would see, hey, I know this person's going to die, and I'm going to hinge a plot on this person you know, reacting to it. So I need to make sure that that emotional connection's built so it really lands for this. But they don't care. And yeah. they don't spend that time and thoughtfulness. Right. So are people, I mean, I, I, 
Are people watch? Are people listening to this podcast just to hear me say these same things over and over again? I think so. At okay. this point, they have to be right because <laughs> that's all we do. I'm, just, I'm starting to get really self conscious about because I'm not a hack uh, yeah. about make just, just trotting out the same same trite observations again and again. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, I like to keep I like making funny Star Trek jokes, but like, yeah, the the, the failures of characterization and writing are just yeah nothing new to say anymore. Uh, Chris Hook says it's a miracle. Daryl is speaking in full sentences, and I can understand his lines without closed captioning. <laughs> Could you? Because he was sitting at that table. I couldn't tell what he was saying. Yeah. He said something about eating. No! And like, <laughs> Carol brought him some food, so he must have said something she got. <laughs> is there some psychic connection between them? Uh, Yeah. Uh, he says he goes on. He has a harder edge to him this half season like he did in seasons two and three, but the scene with Carol still shows his softer side. I feel like we have the OG Daryl back. What do you think of his arc so far in 7B? I mean, we're only two episodes in. You know, he just got out of the slammer, uh, the Guantanamo-esque slammer. Here's the thing. Here, uh, I feel are like you, he's doing all right, though. In retrospect, are you more or less chagrined that they spent two episodes with him and the slammer torturing him psychologically? Because that doesn't seem to have any lasting effect on him whatsoever. Uh, you're right. It, it, was, it was like I... Sometimes I forget about the treadmill and and how like okay well maybe this will pay off or maybe it'll be awesome mm-hmm. and like even if Daryl's the guy who kills Negan at this point how much more satisfying because because Daryl the reason Glenn died is because Daryl couldn't handle the fact that Negan killed one of them mm-hmm. I don't need any more motivation for him to want Negan dead. Sure, and he's already utterly rejected people with credos less offensive than the saviors. So, no. like, seriously, so what was that two hours of television about? I don't know. I mean, may- maybe they're just trying to reinforce that Daryl can't be broken. Because, you know, I we we had discussed. I saw that. the like, man destroy a broken? tank with his bare fucking hands. I right. don't. I I never conceived that he could be broken. Yeah, we were both saying there's no way Daryl's not going to break. Yeah, like, honestly, the more interesting thing to do with him would be to broken him. Sure. Because that would have been genuinely sure. shocking and maybe interesting new territory to break. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Alex G says, Norman Reedus said that not telling Carol about Glenn and Abraham was a quote-unquote selfless act, both because he wants her back with the group and because she would be an asset in the fight. Gimple said we might even consider his lie heroic. Was Daryl's decision to lie heroic, cowardly, or neither? I'm really shocked to hear them both frame it that way. I thought it was a compassionate act. I don't think it was heroic. I don't think it served any purpose to get them her back to the group. Yeah, I, well, they they framed it as selfless, and I think that's true. Because you know she would be a huge asset in a battle. Okay, sure. She's an amazing fighter. Um, maybe I an amazing maybe strategist I too. Mis- misheard what they said because I thought I, I got the. Opposite. Did I say selfish? No, I, I think you said selfless, said but I think you, I might have heard a not or an ant or a, something in there. I, mu- I must have oh. missed something in translation, but. Um, I don't, like I said, I don't think it's heroic. I think it's more just like a, a very compassionate thing. Yeah. Uh, Layla says, how are you feeling about Carol's arc these days? If Daryl told Carol the truth, it would have moved her plot forward out of her hermit life, but I think it's safe to assume that she won't stay in the Carol cabin forever. If the season ultimately leads to Carol mounting up to charge into battle, will you feel this arc paid off, or is it a lost cause for you? 
I mean, I'm still open to Carol doing awesome things and poignant things, and I can still... I mean, that's the thing. Like, and I can see it destroying her. Like, I, I mean, that's why I guess I still maintain the fact I'm a fan of The Walking Dead, because I can still get emotionally involved in Carol and Daryl, even though this, mm. all the silliness is swirling around me. <laughs> right. So I'm still invested. Like, you know, I'm still invested in, in uh, uh, Carol and Rick, as I often... Uh, I mean, sorry, Carl and Rick. Uh, Rick and Michonne. There's a lot of people, characters I still care about. It just... Mm-hmm. Um, I sometimes question what the you know if the writers are as invested as, as I am. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I think it's I think it's inevitable that she comes out of the Carol cabin. Uh, I don't think she's gonna you know have Richard's plan come to fruition and get killed by it. I think she's gonna have to fight. Yeah, and and what it does to her is, you know, still up in the air. Maybe she survives it. Maybe she doesn't. Maybe it breaks her uh, finally, but. You know, either way, I think she's going to have to deal with it. It would be interesting if, if uh, somehow Carol... Ooh, are we doing a spoiler section? Uh, No. Okay, can we? Uh, sure, a very okay. short one, I guess. All right. I, I, I have, a, I have a, a thought I wanted to offer up to the spoiler people um, about what would be cool for Carol to do. Okay. Uh, Christine C. says, Okay, time for the ship-a-meter. Do you ship Carol and Daryl at this stage? I personally do, but I'm trying to determine if we learned anything new about the relationship in this episode that we didn't already know. Did you feel there were any new wrinkles added to the relationship which furthered their development? Uh, I I have, you know, it's always been sort of ambiguous what their exact relationship is. Is it uh, romantic? Is it platonic? It always kind of felt borderline romantic and and borderline like mother son sort of relationship. And I don't know if that's just cuz of their age difference, but uh it it sometimes bordered on maybe romantic, but I don't remember their shit from season 2 all that well. So I'm here I'm going to here's my stream of consciousness. Um I think that Carol absolutely wanted to jump Daryl's bones circa se- season 3 and 4. She's come to the appreciation that he is so badly damaged from the abuse and trauma that he's gone through in his life that he is either, you know, asexual or um, is threatened by his sexuality or in some ways can't express it. And I thought it was interesting that he also had some chemistry with Beth, who was a child, mm-hmm. which I could almost see as him like she's not threatening to him because he's his kind of sexuality is very stunted and adolescent as well. In a way that, like, a grown-ass woman like Carol might threaten him. Like, oh, God, she might have expectations or she's got experience or uh, and it scares him off. But so I, I kind of feel like that he's either damaged to the point that, like, he's not going to be able to have a normal sexual relationship with a woman or a man. Because there's been some speculation that maybe um, some of the kinship he feels towards Aaron and Eric is that uh, mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's, uh, he's uh, a gay man himself. Or... Uh, it could be that he's just so damaged that he can't express that in any kind of healthy way, and that Carol is smart enough to pick up on that because she hasn't been, she was shamelessly flirty with him, and then when they had their like, point, little, yeah. when they had their little two by two thing, and you know she found that book about survivors of abuse, and mm-hmm. and that Daryl was reading, that I feel like she kind of wised up, and now they're just platonic. Yeah, yeah. So do who what like I I guess I used to ship Daryl and Carol, but now I think mm-hmm. that you know Daryl would have to go through a significant amount of healing that he's not going to be able to do at this stage in the zombie apocalypse to be able to fully, you know, 
uh, requite that love. Yeah. Uh, we also had Cheryl, who emailed earlier, uh, mentioned that Norman Reedus said in an interview that it felt like he was talking to his mother in some of these scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if he meant that as an actor or a character, uh, but I don't know. It's a wrinkle for sure. Uh, Johnny O says, I think one of Norman's all-time best pieces of acting on the show was when his voice cracked on the line, Why'd You Go? Yep. Crushing. It seemed like Daryl was relieved to find Carol safe, but he was also hurt that she left the group and perhaps took it personally that she would leave him. How did you read the fragility of his performance in that scene? Exactly like you said. I mean, I that was a really strong scene between those two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all it takes for Norman Reedus to... Uh, you know, open the the floodgates on some people is for him to crack his voice, you know, right. in the right way because he doesn't show that emotion so often, right? Yeah. And so when he does, when he opens up a little bit or doesn't even open up but accidentally gives you a glimpse into what he's thinking and how he's feeling, uh, it goes a long way. And I think that scene, that was expertly done. And it makes you wonder how much better this that this episode would be if it wasn't, you know, encapsulated by the slide whistle clown show that was the trash society. Right. Like like it's it's it the fact that that works even though in the background you got Rick and his Romulan lover going <laughs> you know and doing their slide whistle thing and you know making fart jokes is kind of remarkable. Yep. James P says, as someone who had a slight Thanksgiving kitchen finger cut turn into an infection that required surgery, I'm calling bullshit on Rick's spike through the hand from the Metal Walker stunt. Uh, he says he slightly cut his finger and thought he cleaned it out and bandaged it enough, but three days later it swelled to twice the size and was incredibly painful, and the doctor said if you waited another day it would have had to been amputated. Are we supposed to believe that Rick is going to be fine after that? Having that dumpster habitating walker spike go through his hand, then climbing over piles of garbage with it, then nonchalantly hanging out during a classic Walking Dead moralizing round robin discussion, and he's just going to be fine. I yeah, I mean, th- this show does not care to talk about infection, which is surprising given the nature of the show. Now I will say that Rick went to the hospital for a gunshot wound. Mm-hmm. It seems entirely likely that they would have updated his tetanus and like all those other things. So he probably would uh-huh. have been more prepared than most. Like that's that that shit is like a ten year booster. But I can guarantee they're not gonna even go there. No. No. They're, they're not even gonna mention it. Like I'm saying, like these spikes are attached to a rotting zombie who's right. been wall who's been wallowing around in a rusty environment, metal mm-hmm. environment, decomposing organic material environment, and including his own. And it just, yeah. like. And then he literally climbs up a pile of trash. Yeah. Of of waste. Yeah. No, I know about my, my, my cop buddy, Matt. Um, he, like, last year, he got a, he got a scratch on patrol on his knee. Uh, through through his uh, BDUs and didn't think anything of it. And a week later, he's in a hospital fighting for his life, and he had to have three resections on his leg. He's in the hospital for like six weeks and those weird vacuum wound treatment, and they're just like, he still hasn't fully recovered. Like, sh- like there's scary shit out there. Um, so, yeah, I think they're a little too cavalier with how much physical trauma that uh, – the Rick's passion, you know, the the, ra- the 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 passion of the Rick that he went through, but uh-huh. you know, this is The Walking Dead, so I'm sure he'll be fine. All right, well, that's all I got. Uh, we're gonna do a very small 
spoiler section after the music. So uh, stay tuned if you want to hear that. You can send your feedback to walkingdead at baldmove.com, and I will get it compiled and considered for next week. I did some brutal cuts this week because I didn't want to talk very long about this episode. This was a giant pile of trash, and I did not want to deal with it. Yeah. Literally, a badly composited one at that. Yes. So, uh, yeah, maybe the next week will be better, and I'll be more willing to include more emails. Uh, if you'd like to get your stuff in, walkingdeadatballmove.com. And if you want to hear the spoilers, stay tuned to watch the music. Until next week, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you. Okay, so I want to know if they're going to keep Melissa around for another couple seasons. Um, and the way they have this arc is there's two possibilities, I guess. Are you are you guessing at that? Do we know? Like, has she? I'm completely. This is a complete okay. guess. Okay. I don't know if she wants. It. I know she was one. But of, if they do, okay. She's one of the Darabont uh, crew. That's a. She's like the last of the big Darabont crew that is held out and. Um, I guess my question is if she gonna if, if she's gonna sign up, what are they gonna do with her that's that's interesting? Mm-hmm. Um, because as I see it, she can come back and 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 get through this this thing and be essentially regular old Carol that we know and love, which is not very interesting. She can die, which is interesting and and kind of you know it's a big major character death that The Walking Dead likes to do, or she can snap. She can do exactly what she does. She survives. She saves the day, but she loses whatever fragile mental balance that we have. And, and we get the chance to explore, like, instead of a shitty three-episode arc of how the governor became who the governor is, we actually get to see someone that we care about and empathize with turn into a monster. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about um, – I'm not really up on the whisper line, but I've done I've, – I've read a few more um, since the last time we talked about it. And they've got this – the Whisperers are this really weird post-apocalyptic cult. The way they understand it is they pretend to be zombies. They're they not supposed to be trash people, right? They're not supposed to be. I don't think the trash people are a, a, a nod to these because this is all okay. post the, the 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 jump forward. Gotcha. Um, and they like don't use names. They have like Alpha as their leader. And betas are like the second in command, and they're like extremely ruthless, and like um, they've like e- eliminated all human emotion from their equations and whatnot. I think it would be interesting, like if we think Carol dies, but we she comes back after time jump as like the leader of the Whisperers. Okay, and we can kind of see like I, you know people because people always talked about like oh I, I'm trying to hold on to something I'm trying to hold on to something well what happens if I can't hold on to something and and we've seen mm-hmm. people that have not held on to that something and become the governor or yeah. you know the hospital administrator of of, of Slapdown or whatever we've never actually seen someone that we care about like Rick's always gone to that limit and like had the psychotic break but then come out stronger mm-hmm. like what happens when that just doesn't happen and you just become that evil thing that you've that you that you're always been warning people about. I wonder, right. like you know, I, I'd like to hear from other comic fans, like what they think of that take. Because the other uh, thing is, like Carol's supposed to be dead, supposed to be dead a long time ago. Uh huh. At the prison, right? Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, this is this is this. It would this, give her this a nice Kirkman break. Remix. 
is fucking with him. So yeah. I, I think it would be interesting because then she could go on and do other things and she could only, you know, she'd only have to, uh, you know, she's essentially got Jeffrey Dean Morgan's right. load at this point. And she'll become a guest star in the future as opposed to, like, yeah. cast regular. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Liz G actually wrote in and, and said essentially that. So I think Oh, really? Lot, that I, she could be the leader of the Whisperers? You know, speculating, like hoping oh, wow. maybe that would be interesting. So you're lining up I with, you I there. think. See you there, Liz. Yeah, a lot of, uh, a lot of our listeners have kind of similar ideas. I think it'd be interesting. And I mean, it's something like I said, that it's, probably it's, a welcome break for Melissa. It's got – it's it, what it's got going for it is that we've never seen that before. Yeah. And it'd be another way they could use the time jump to like, you know, you, sh- you kind of see the trajectory she's on. Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks she died in whatever the all-out war is going to be. And then she comes back and there's like the mysterious of like what's going on with the whispers. And you f- meet the first time and it's, it's, it's her. And she doesn't even give a shit. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how, the, how do Rick and company deal with that? So, Could be interesting. Yeah. But I'm Let's also, see. man, next week... To the extent that I thought the attempts to break Daryl and the show Daryl integrating oh, into the Savior Complex was right, a waste Eugene. of time and, and dumb, doing the, that plot again with fucking mullet, mm-hmm. I am not looking forward to next week. It's, it's an extra iota. long episode, too. By oh, the way. goody. Yeah. Because yeah. then I can get to see more bullshit <laughs> Dwight. Like, the other thing is like, oh, I haven't seen a good Dwight and Sherry scene for a good long while. Right. Can I get some more Dwight and Sherry? No more smoking scenes between them, though. Right? Mm, why not? There shouldn't be. I, I thought as we left it, they were done with those scenes. Whatever. Or or at least you think the walking, she was. You think The Walking Dead is, is ever going to be done with a particular scene? <laughs> Maybe it just won't be in the stairwell. It'll be in, I don't know. I saw something like there was some some um, goofy image macro on the Walking Dead subreddit about like the writers room, uh, you know, like the 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 writers room word jumble, and they had like you know like this like this grid that had you don't know what it's like out there. I get it now. We got to do things we didn't know we thought we could do. Like just all these like fucking like it's uh, it's unreal how much of the dialogue of the show revolves around these twenty phrases yeah yeah it's like they had two good ideas and they just keep harping on them yeah and the thing is we should like i i just feel like in another alternate universe where darabont's maintained control of this we are like two seasons beyond all-out war and we're mm-hmm. in truly interesting territory you know we still haven't caught up the comics but we're in yeah really interesting territory and these things haven't been beaten to the ground and the budget's twice as high, and you don't have bullshit Star Trek The Next Generation level matte paintings, and sometimes I cry a little bit on the inside. Yeah, it makes me but wonder, I, like, th- would Darabont have done the show in the format that they want? Because I don't, I don't see that guy doing this open-ended show. I don't see him doing something without some kind of end date. But that's, that's the other hallmark... There's we've not seen anything like this in the golden era of television where it's essentially right. we are going to keep making these until people stop watching it. Yeah. One of the hallmarks of the golden age was I have a story. It might be three seasons. It might be five seasons. It might be five and two half seasons. Hello, Breaking Bad. But right. it's going to end. And this, with this, good reason. I mean, that's it's why a, the format exists for good reason. Right. It keeps things moving. It it 
make sure that the show ends before it gets terrible. Right. Whereas the inevitability of this show is it will be poorly rated when it ends. Right. It's going to go out with a whimper. And that's sad. Like, I mean, yeah. you know, and that does for the, I remember um, back in the day, like, the best you could hope for on these, um, you know, episodic television shows is you get, like, an all good things. Right. You send off for these beloved characters after the ratings dip to a certain level. There's enough yeah. money. They can make one final last season where you kind of get some closure with these characters. But the m- half time, it just just just, it just end mm-hmm. in the middle, and, and there's no closure at all. And I, you know, I feel like you kind of owe it to the fans to, to have a story and tell the damn story and then fucking move on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would have been what Darabont would probably have wanted to do. But so, and also is like clearly something about the material spoke to him that he wanted to adapt it, and he would have done something interesting with it. Yeah, but whatever. Um, we'll That's see. It. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if they can. I wonder if they can break break the mullet. Do you think they can break him? Yes, yes, they can break him. Yeah, immediately they're gonna break him. This yeah. is gonna be the anti Daryl. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna be like five. He's gonna show up like I will do anything you want me to do. Okay, right. <laughs> I will make bullets. <laughs> yeah. I will role play you know King Lear's court. I'll be your gesture or jester. I'll do whatever. I don't I'll know. be your Jerry. I'll be your Jerry. All right. Uh, butt sex, you want butts <laughs> I, I it's on I'll bite your dick. What do you want? What do you want, man? Just just don't stop that hurting really gets me. gets Dwight off. You know, he he got a taste of it. And he just <laughs> right. he can't get enough now. He's realized he's realized now that he that's the reason he doesn't want uh Negan's wives. Because none of them are willing to. Because none bite of like dick. he he he's had the sublime pleasure of another man biting his dick, right? And that's what gets a hard now, right? And you know you can't go can't go back to the farm once you've seen Puri. I guess it's true. <laughs> so All right. true. Get me out of here, Jim. All right, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>